the Panhandle News Network. The views and opinions on this station do not necessarily represent the Panhandle News Network, WEPM and WCST, or West Virginia Radio Corporation. It's Panhandle Sports Live. Crossover, step back! Where the Eastern Panhandle of West Virginia comes to get their sports live. Is this the Tiger? It is a great night to be a Mountaineer wherever you may be. Agent back to pass. Rush down the pocket. Throwing it downfield. It's into the end zone. Here are your hosts, Jordan Nicewarner, Luke Wiggs, and Parker Stone. It is Wednesday the 2nd. You're tuned in to Panhandle Sports Live, brought to you by Mountaineer Kitchens and Bats. Since 1995, Mountaineer Kitchens and Bats have, deli- have delivered distinguished remodeling services to our home community of Martinsburg. From new construction to remodeling, Mountaineer Kitchens and Bats can design a new kitchen or bath. They're talented designers convert to life any concept you'd like to create. So check them out at MountaineerKitchensandBath.com, on Facebook, or visit their showroom at 967 Hedgesville Road in Martinsburg. I'm Jordan Nicewinner, alongside me, Luke Wiggs and Parker Stone. Good morning, fellas. Good morning. Morning. <laughs> so, uh, how'd you think, or what'd you think that trade deadline yesterday? That was really the uh, most exciting sports news. Well, of course, some Mountaineer stuff too that we'll get to a little bit later on. Uh, the trade deadline was a little crazy. I personally think the Ravens officially lost uh, Lamar Jackson after the end of yesterday. Uh, but Parker, do you got any uh, big headlines from free agent deadline? Well, the big ones I had locked in were TJ Hawkinson got traded in division. He goes from Detroit to Minnesota for what was essentially a pick swap after breaking it down, which very confusing trade. And we'll have an article up on our panelnewsnetwork.com page in the coming days, breaking down grades for every team on their trade deadline deals. And that'll include deals like the Christian McCaffrey deal. That'll include like Robert Quinn going to Philadelphia and all those sorts of deals. In total, I think over... 20 players got traded in two weeks, which is unprecedented in the NFL. Bradley Chubb got dealt to the Miami Dolphins for a first and some other picks. And, you know, I was looking at a little graphic on Twitter. The Dolphins may have orchestrated one of the biggest fleeces in trade history. It was almost like you and uh, your fantasy league. (laughs) I know. We'll get to that here in a little bit, too. But it was uh, overall they turned that number three pick in the 2021 draft that was gonna that eventually went to San Francisco for Trey Lance. They turned that into Jalen Waddle, Tyreek Hill, and now Bradley Chubb for Trey Lance, who has taken who has started two games in the NFL and still looks extremely raw at quarterback. And that and like you mentioned before, this all could be rooted back to the Laramie Tunsil trade notoriously years back that has really set up the Dolphins for a win now mode for the next few years, and it's really impressive. Other notable deals include Chase Claypool, he gets from Pittsburgh to Chicago for a second round pick. And surprisingly, Calvin Ridley, of course, he suspended this season for some gambling controversy going in between there. So funny enough, he goes from the team he was betting for to the team he was betting against. <laughs> he gets dealt to the Jacksonville Jaguars for a conditional fifth and a second round pick in 2024. Well, uh, we'll get into some deeper talk about that a little bit later on today. Uh, but let's start looking a little local here. A little bit later on, uh, at the bottom of the hour, we'll be speaking with Coach Josh Sims ahead of our Panhandle Game of the Week on Friday uh, between University and Spring Mills. But we had a little uh, EPAC playoff volleyball action where it got a little crazy last night, Luke. 
Yeah, it certainly did. Um, and Hedgesville and Musselman are usually the teams to watch for uh, when it comes to regional or local volleyball, I should say. Uh, but Hampshire wins as well over Washington after, as well as those two aforementioned teams. And uh, it's trending towards those two and Musselman and Hedgesville playing each other again this week. Uh, they matched up earlier in the regular season. It was a decisive Musselman victory. Uh, but Musselman, they sweep Spring Mills three sets to nothing in their game. Uh, and for Hedgesville, it was just a little bit too much for Martinsburg to overcome um, in the end of that one, uh, which, again, sets up a pretty tantalizing matchup between those two teams uh, that many consider to be the best in the state. I know you can maybe throw Morgantown into that mix, maybe one of the Charleston schools, uh, but when Musselman and Hedgesville played earlier in the season, I think a lot of people felt that that was one against two um, because if I'm correct, that's a matchup of last year's state championship game. Mm-hmm. So it may happen again. Uh, and we get to see it uh, early in the playoffs after they uh, obviously both took care of business in the first round. Well, absolutely. It's, uh, it does seem like it. Uh, what the all roads lead through the Eastern Panhandle when it comes uh, to postseason volleyball. But uh, let's start chatting a little bit about this Panhandle game of the week that's coming up. Again, we'll be speaking Spring Mills coach Josh Sims a little bit later on this hour. But uh, it's University coming all the way down here from Morgantown, I guess. And when they're coming from Morgantown, I, you can't really, I don't think, put the travel um, like caveat in there because i mean some of us make that drive in less than two hours yeah i mean come on it's not that bad are you talking about yourself or Uh, are you talking about some of us (laughs) we'll say who off the record yes yeah glad glad there's not a uh gps in that uh station van sometimes (laughs) (laughs) they're not tracking us by aircraft like you see sometimes uh but nonetheless come from uh, morgantown not necessarily a big travel differential so you don't have to worry about that but uh you know as we heard on a couple of texts yesterday which again you can text us 304-263-4321 if you want to let us know what your thoughts are on this panhandle game of the week but a lot of people saying that we've given these panhandle teams too much credit against these north central teams and that universities should, should come down here and roll through it which i don't think i mean i think yes university more than likely wins but i don't think it's a blowout no i certainly don't and you know the thing that's been coming to my mind and i think parker would agree with me because he was there as well uh is we think about that north hagerstown game and there's one play to me that stands out the most and it was at the beginning of the fourth quarter it was right before spring mills won on one of the more impressive drives killing clock that I've ever seen a high school football team do. But it was one of the first. It might have been the very first play of that drive. Anderson rolls out. You think it's going to be QB power to the right. Cameron Taylor Black just bumps his defender, runs downfield wide open. Max Anderson overthrows him. It would have been a touchdown. It would have sealed the game. It would have made things a lot easier for Spring Mills because when I talked to Josh Sims after the game, uh, you know, we mentioned that Anderson carried the ball 30 times in that game. And he asked me how many of those happened on that last drive, and I don't have the drive-by-drive numbers. If he had made that throw, he wouldn't have had to have taken that much more punishment, but he overthrew him, and it made things a little bit more difficult in Spring Mills. Parker, I think you'd agree with me that this is a university team that doesn't think that Anderson can put the ball in the air and succeed. If he makes that throw, it's a much easier game against North Hagerstown. If he makes that throw against University, it becomes a much more competitive game. I agree with you there, and I mentioned it beforehand yesterday when we were talking about this game. I think the real way Spring Mills can upset University and try and get themselves a decent punching chance into the playoffs is going to be using their running game, running the clock out, not giving University any opportunities to score. That's what Spring Mills' game is. They have probably the – I'd say you can argue Max Anderson's the best running quarterback in all of the EPAC, and the way he just goes in between the tackles, runs hard – and 
as mentioned before, we had Kyle Wiggs on yesterday. He said university has struggled against running quarterbacks. That's something to keep an eye out for in this game. And I think this is 15 versus 17 in the SSAC playoff ranking. So this is right on the line. And from what from all accounts from where we looked at, Spring Mills is going to need a little bit of help come this Friday for them to sneak into the playoffs. But they do need to come up with a win against university in this. And what I think is going to be, I think a lot of people are really underestimating Spring Mills in this one. Yes, you could say university is a favorite in this one looking at it on paper. But if the Cardinals play their game plan and they are able to run the ball against university and fully expect the Hawks to stack the box against Spring Mills. I 100% think there'll be six, seven, upwards of eight people in the box to stop the run. But again, as Luca mentioned to you before, if Max Anderson could hit a pass like he did against North Hagerstown instead of it being a little overthrown, that's the element with Spring Mills you got to watch out for. Well, I'm going to read here from uh, Luke's article. It's up over at PanhandleNewsNetwork.com, which breaks down every uh, Panhandle team's path through the playoffs to the playoffs. And for Spring Mills, uh, they got to beat University, of course, uh, and then they need Hedgesville to lose to Hampshire and uh, clear both uh, of those to end up, you know, solidifying their way into playoffs. Like you said, they've really done, like you say in the article, they've done everything they need to do. But the worst thing about it is that you have to now rely on other dominoes to fall, which you know I think Hedgesville beats Hampshire, you know. They played nine, ten times. They beat them nine times. Yeah, I, th- I think you're right, and that becomes one of those, you know, what Spring Mills, what's the attitude going to be like when we're at the game? And Coach Sims is probably going to do his best to keep his players away. They yeah. might not even know. I don't know. Keep his players away from that Hampshire Hedgesville score. Right. You know what happens if it's the third quarter and we've got ourselves a tied game, and all of a sudden someone from the stands goes Hedgesville's up thirty-five nothing, and then it's like, well, you know, yeah, now, it's over. now, well, now we're we playing do? for nothing. Yeah. <laughs> but if there's anybody that can rally his team to compete, it's Josh Sims. This is a team that was two and five. And nobody gave them a prayer to get back into the playoff picture. But they beat a, a good North Hagerstown team, a talented North Hagerstown team. They beat an Albert Gallatin team with some really good weapons on the outside as well. And, you know, they've done everything they can ask for to turn their season around. And they deserve to be in the playoff conversation as, you know, that conversation starts to shrink, or shrink excuse me, they're the only team outside right now that could get into the playoffs. You know, even though they might come up a bit short, they're going to be the 18th best team in AAA this year, which for Mm -hmm. a team this young, I think is a huge, huge statement. Absolutely. And if uh, you stick around after the break, we'll keep talking about this and we'll uh, kind of prep for this uh, conversation we'll have with head coach Josh Sims after a little while here on Panhandle Sports Live on WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. It's Panhandle Sports Live. Join the conversation on Twitter at EP News Network. Welcome back to Panhandle Sports Live, brought to you by Mountaineer Kitchens and Bath. You can check them out at mountaineerkitchensandbath.com, on Facebook, or their showroom at 967 Hedgesville Road, Martinsburg. I'm Jordan Nice Warner, alongside me, Luke Wiggs and Parker Stone. Uh, and if you head over to our website, panhandlenewsnetwork.com, there's an article up there talking about all the Panhandle team's path through the playoffs. And without giving away too much, Luke, uh, what does it look like for these Panhandle teams? Does it seem like it's necessarily an easy route for some? Uh, of course, Martinsburg is expected to just make their way uh, up to Wheeling every year. But uh, any surprises? What, what are your thoughts? I was a little surprised by where I think Martinsburg's going to finish. I still think they're going to finish in the top four which is big for them because it means they'll host in the first two rounds of the playoffs if they win. Uh, them and Jefferson, I think, are the most solidified going into this final week of the season. We've talked extensively about Hedgesville and Spring Mills' win-and-get-in scenarios, but Musselman, uh, again, not to give away too much of the article, you can find it on our website. We had said that last week they could finish as high as 3 and as low as 12. Uh, well, now they could t- potentially finish even lower than 12 
if some things do not go their way. Now, they're playing a Parkersburg team they should beat, but mm-hmm. it's at Parkersburg. And Parkersburg, of course, is arguably the most storied high school football program in the state, not named Bridgeport. So you know they know how to beat good teams down there and create crazy environments, and they're going to try to get back to 500 with this win, even though they can't get into the playoffs, I don't believe. Uh, so Musselman becomes the most volatile team still. And I will say this about Jefferson, and these are the crazy things that happens when you mess with the math. Mm-hmm. We had said that we had condemned them to being on the road in the first round. There's one scenario, and it's very convoluted to explain. I don't think I'm going to be able to where they could potentially still host in the first round, which really? is something we did not think was going no. to happen. I was messing with the numbers, throwing out the projections, and I looked down as Jefferson, eight, really? Really? And sure enough. Uh, now, like six different things need to happen for that to be the case. A lot of upsets need to happen. Well, but that would certainly be interesting. That would be interesting. And, and, but uh, it looks as though we're, we're trending towards two panhandle teams hosting the first round, Martinsburg and Musselman, and then uh, two more teams getting in. It's just a matter of the, who that fourth team is going to be, whether it's Hedgesville or Spring Mills, or potentially neither, but it surely is going to be one of the two. So who do you think the... Do you think the state championship runs through this year? Is it just always just de facto Martinsburg? Or do you think maybe one of these uh, you know Southern teams like a Spring Valley or whoever uh, you know, maybe is going to be making a run, the, those teams that we don't hear about out here in the Panhandle too often? Yeah, you know, I, I think if you were to put together a short list of the teams that you would think would be the most likely to beat Martinsburg, I, to me, I think there's four on that list. There's Parkersburg South, just because they score a billion points a game, right. and that game would be like Baylor WVU 70-63. Uh, there's Huntington Hurricane. Those two teams play each other this week. The winner of that game is probably going to be the number one seed, so they would be the de facto. I know Huntington's got Gavin Lockout as a Division One quarterback, uh, and obviously uh, Hurricane has the Donnie Mays effect. He's gone over there and turned that program around. So the winner of that game would be number two. Spring Valley is number three just because they've done it before. Mm-hmm. They've beaten Martinsburg before. Yep. And then number four, I would say, would be Musselman because they took them into the third quarter in a very tight game at Martinsburg before it ended up being a blowout. One of those four teams, if I were to pick anybody that could beat Martinsburg, those are the only four teams that come to mind. I think you nailed it right on the head. I think it still runs through Martinsburg just because of the fact that their two losses are not within the state of West Virginia. Their two losses are against two teams outside of the state that are high-level programs from Virginia and Ohio. And Riverside came down to the final snap. You could argue Martinsburg should have beaten Riverside in that week, and they just they just didn't close the game when they should have closed the game. They could be a one-loss team coming into this week and could be the number two seed if things fell in their way. But I do think it's through Martinsburg once again this year. I Again, like you mentioned before, I think Parkersburg South and Huntington, those are the two that I'm looking at right now as maybe the only teams that can knock them off. But the thing that I think Martinsburg has over the rest of the teams throughout the state of West Virginia is the depth. And I don't think a team has the depth and the numbers and the high tier athletes that Martinsburg does. I still I'm still riding with the Bulldogs to win it all this year. Well, Texas three zero four two six three four three two one. Do you think uh, it's the Martinsburg State Championship uh, path yet again, or do you think maybe this Martinsburg team uh, might get stunned by somebody on their way through uh, up to Wheeling Park for the Super Six? Texas three zero four two six three four three two one. And of course, we'll be speaking with Spring Mills head coach Josh Sims here in just a few minutes. But uh, how long do you think? I mean, it's tough to kind of guess these kind of things or throw an opinion out there, but how long do you think Spring Mills has until they're really starting to be a contender here you know, in the panhandle? Because, uh, yes, they're still uh, growing a new program, this, that, and a third, uh, but it's been, it's been a little while now. 
Yeah, I, I I think so. I mean, they're a team that has made the playoffs, I think, five times in their nine-year history, but they've yet to win a playoff game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I f- believe they made it in 2020 but had to cancel because of everything that was going on with COVID. Uh, but, man, they're, they're just so young. Their offensive line is completely rebuilt. They've got so many guys that are going to come back next year and take the next step that there would be – an odds-on favorite, I guess. Let's just say that the standings finish the way that they are right now, and Spring Mills is the fifth of the six Panhandle teams. I would say that they're the odds-on favorite to rise the most out of any team next year, uh, just solely because you know Musselman's going to have some key pieces to replace, namely their quarterback. You know, Hedgesville is going to have some key pieces to replace. Jefferson is going to lose some of those weapons they have on the outside. You know, Spring Mills is a team that's not going to lose a lot. Mm-hmm. And I don't know off the top of my head how many seniors they have. I believe it's double or single digits. Uh, so obviously one of those would be Gavin Jones. And I think Stotler's a senior as well. I should have it in front of me. Uh, but key pieces of their offense are coming back next year. Uh, I would expect them to rise up. Now the question is, do they take the step? And everybody else remains the same, and then five teams get in, or do they lap somebody and, and knock them out of the playoffs? Or Washington and the crazy scheme that they run mm-hmm. that can be very successful. They've got guys coming back uh, on next year's team. Rodrigo Delgado is a very good player. They've had some underclassmen step up in in, in, in the last couple of weeks as well as somebody else that can make a statement. Uh, you know, that's the kind of thing that worries you about. You know, the, take for example, Brian Thomas runs a great, runs a great program. You're losing one of the best quarterbacks in the history of Musselman, and the best teams in the state of West Virginia are nipping at your heels. You know that they're all getting better. You've taken a step back. Now you need to find the right quarterback, right combination, right whatever to maintain your success as to where you're at right now. It's a convoluted way to say that I think Spring Mills is time to compete. Is obviously right now because they can still make mm-hmm. the playoffs, but certainly next year we're going to see this team start to dominate. And you know, as we turn our attention to basketball. People don't want to forget about the Cardinals because I expect Mm -hmm. them to make it to Charleston probably in both guys' and girls' hoops. Uh, They've got a lot of academic and athletic excellence out in Spring Mills that's just starting to blossom more and more as the school gets older. So, Parker, looks like uh, Cardinals are next up, huh? I think so. I think it really depends on the development of Max Anderson come this summer and into the offseason. If he can develop more as a passer, I think the Cardinals could finish as high as third in the – EPAC, I really do. They could maybe even finish second if things fall their way. It, they got a young core. They got teams that building together. Coach Sims is running a good program. He's got a good scheme over that way. And again, if Max Anderson can develop more as a passer and they can open the playbook a little bit more over at Spring Mills, they've got the potential to rise the most, I think. And then you think of Musselman, they're losing their quarterback. You're losing Ray Adamas, who's a key piece in that team. You wonder, and there's other again. Jefferson's going to lose some pieces. Martinsburg, of course, will lose pieces, but they're going to be mm-hmm. deep as all get out. So, I do think the Cardinals, just because they're not going to lose a ton outside of really Gavin Jones on the edge, they got a really good potential to rise with that offense they've got. But that's the beauty of EPAC football. You don't know who's going to rise, you don't know who's going to fall, and you don't know who's going to step up and who's putting the work over the summer until you see it on the field week one. Well, of course, our Panhandle Game of the Week on Friday is Spring Mills facing off against University here in the Panhandle at Spring Mills. We'll be chatting with Spring Mills head football coach Josh Sims here in just a few minutes after the break on Panhandle Sports Live on WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. Mix up your sports coverage with Panhandle Sports Live. Heard on the Panhandle News Network.
Welcome back to Panhandle Sports Live, brought to you by Mountaineer Kitchens and Bath. You can check them out at MountaineerKitchensandBath.com, on Facebook, or at their showroom at 967 Hedgesville Road in Martinsburg. I'm Jordan Ice Warner, alongside me, Luke Wiggs and Parker Stone. We've been chatting about uh, our Panhandle game of the week this week, which is University coming on down uh, to Spring Mills to face off against the Cardinals. And joining us on the line is Spring Mills head coach, Josh Sims. Coach, how you doing this morning? Good, how are you guys? Not doing all right. So how's the team? Uh, how's the team feeling? What's the vibe like in the locker room coming into this big university game? Uh, yeah, I mean the, the the vibes like it's been all year. I mean, you know, our kids are ready to play. Um, you know, w- once again, we've been very pleased with you know just the uh, you know the mental toughness and the mindset that our kids have shown. You know, again through you know some some tough patches this year. You know, losing some late close games and and you know going through some injuries and things like that. So you know these kids are uh, ready to play and you know excited for Friday. And coach, you have to really be proud of the effort that your team's put out the last couple of weeks. There's a big difference between two and five and four and five. It's a, a really, really steep climb, and especially the defense. You guys have really taken care of business in the last two weeks against North Hagerstown and Albert Gallatin. Yeah, um, uh, we're really pleased with with all three phases. You know, um, you know, you talk about the North Hagerstown game. You know, the fourth quarter of that game, we had a nine minute drive on offense. So, um, you know, we've done a very good job. You know. Um, offensively, kind of keeping defense off the field, you know, engaging in some ball control and, and using our run game really to kind of, you know, protect, you know, the, the whole situation with, with so many two way players, um, you know, some, some, some injuries and things that have happened on the defense side of the ball. So, yeah, you know, defensively, we, we, we've definitely taken care of business. We've also had, uh, you know, the last two weeks, we have two, have had two big, uh, special teams plays. We had a, uh, recovered uh, onside kick uh, against North Hagerstown and against Albert Gallatin. We had a uh, kick return. Um, but, you know, uh, yeah, we're definitely pleased defensively. But, you know, uh, offensively, uh, you know, over the last uh, four or five weeks, we've been turning churn- churn- churn the clock down. Um, you know, we- we've definitely won the, p- uh, the-, the time of possession battle um, in-, in huge ways um, in a couple of those games. So uh, we're, very- we're very pleased in all three phases. What's your approach as a head coach? Obviously, coming into this game against University, there's some serious implications. You know, we don't need to go through the scenarios again, but there's a lot at stake. Is that something that you bring to the attention of your players as a little bit of extra motivation, or is it something that you just stay away from and treat it like every other game? Uh, no, of course. You know, we, we, you know, we've we've definitely built this up to these kids, but you know, I, we've talked about it all year. We've built up every practice to these kids. You know, we really want to get them into the mindset, you know, uh, that, that every day is important. You know, every practice is a big practice. Every game's a big game. Um, you know, and that's one of those things where, where you know, we're really trying to get that, that culture, um, you know, cemented uh, that, that, you know, everything matters. Every play matters. Uh, every practice matters. Um, you know, because, you know, our goals, you know, for the, for the future um, uh, with a lot of these young kids are, are much bigger than just making the playoffs. Or and they're much bigger than you know getting into the first round. So um, you know we we of course are using it you know uh, um, to uh, you know get the kids hyped up. But but we've done that uh, with every game this year. And coach mentioning to the future there, we were talking before our last break about how we think your team is poised to be a perennial team in the playoffs come the future years with the young core that you have but I want to swing it to your past a little bit Albert Gallatin last year you lose that game 15 to 7 this year you beat them good 35 to 7 where do you think your team has improved the most coming from this time last year to this time this year uh run the football 
um, you know, uh, last year and, and even the year before when we went five and two in the COVID year, you know, we really uh, struggled to establish, um, you know, uh, a running game inside the tackles. You know, getting those tough yards inside the trenches, get, getting the three and four yard gains to extend drives. Um, that's where we've gotten better. And, uh, you know, w- w- the, the, those are things that keep the ball in your hand. And those are also things that, you know, wear other teams down. And when you get into the uh, later half of the games, um, that's when you can really kind of, you know, finish some people off. And, and, and that's what we've seen, you know, the last two weeks with North Hagerstown, Abergallis, and then the second half, you know, we really kind of took over because of our, our ability to run the football. Now, now I'm saying that there's been a lot of things, you know, you know, like you said, you know, defensively, you know, we've been much better this year, you know, um, uh, at creating turnovers. Um, and, and, and that's the big one in creating turnovers. We had a, a couple interceptions last week that were big for us. Um, and, you know, we struggled to do that uh, uh, last year. So, you know, obviously our defense being better. And, and that's that old adage, you know, uh, run the football and playing good defense, you know, good things happen. So um, the, the, those are the two biggest things, you know, I say we've gotten better at. But, you know, just to go ahead and, you know, add, once again, you always talk about how New Spring Mills is and, and establishing some sort of mindset. And, and, and that's been the big thing we've been pleased with this year. You know, these, these kids have totally bought in. Um, you know, to, to, to uh, you know, working hard every day, uh, you know, showing up, you know, to, to practice, treating everything with importance. So, you know, there's been a lot of things that have uh, changed in regards to, you know, playing the game and, and, and execution. But we've been very pleased with, with, with the shift of, uh, you know, mindset and effort in our kids. Well, turning our attention now to your opponent this week in university, uh, you talk about struggling to establish the run. It's something that the Hawks at times have struggled to do this year, and they're going to be without one of their tailbacks. And they're coming off a very emotional game last week that I know you've been able to um, experience some Mohawk Bulls firsthand and uh, be on various different sides of that. So it's a a very emotional uh, university team that you guys are playing shortly, certainly with a lot of weapons on the outside and a quarterback that can throw the ball. What's uh, kind of impressed you the most in preparation for this game and watching the Hawks on film? Yeah, and, you know, that's something, um, you know, uh, I I said on Sunday, you know, in our our coaches' meeting is, you know, we better be prepared for university's best. You know, like you said, I, I, I've been in some of those Mohawk, uh, the Mohawk Bowls, and, uh, you know, whatever team loses in that one, you don't want to run them into them the next week. So, uh, you know, universities, we're, we're definitely going to get their best, and they're going to be coming there, coming in here, you know, with, um, you know, a little bit of a chip on their shoulder and, and, and probably a little angry. You know, that Mohawk Bowl, like you said, is a very emotional game uh, for both teams. And, um, and, uh, you know, just to go ahead and add a very fun game. That's a great game to be a part of. And, and I think a good tradition for, uh, West Virginia high school football. Um, but, uh, you know, university, uh, you know, uh, their, their university, they're going to come and spread you out. They're going to throw the ball around very well. Um, their quarterback, uh, makes very good decisions with the football. It, you know, it just, it seems like he's very seasoned back there and, and, and knows where to go with whatever you give them. So, you know, when it comes to something like that, uh, we got to make sure we get pressure on him. You know, I think when uh, with what they do throwing the football around, I think our best coverage will be pressure, especially when you talk about some of the athletes they got receivers. So we definitely can't let him sit back there, um, you know, and hang out in the pocket. Um, in regards to them defensively, uh, man, they're big up front. You know, very big up front, um, fire off the ball very well. So, you know, our offensive line's got to do, you know, what they've been doing, you know, over the course of the last 
four or five weeks or so, and that's really focusing on winning that first step, you know, and and and, and not getting you know caught on their heels, you know. So, uh, you know, down the trenches, offensive line wise, we got to win the first step, and you know, our backs like they have been over over the course of the last couple of weeks, they got to make sure, you know, no matter what, they're falling for, forward in these carries, and you know, at at very least, getting three yards a pop. You know, I know that doesn't sound like you know something that's real attractive, but once again. Um, you know, we've went to an offense where we're looking for first downs and not necessarily big plays. Um, so we can, you know, hold on to possession and, and, uh, you know, keep the ball in our hands. So, you know, our backs got to make sure they're hitting the hole hard, falling forward, offensive, offensive line wise, win the first step. Um, you know, uh, in saying that with, with the, the ability university has on the offensive side of the ball to have the quick strike, big time offense, you know, we're going to, we're going to need a couple plays. You know, uh, from some receivers making some contested, uh, catches down the field. And again, that's been, uh, you know, the difference the last two weeks for us is we've had a couple big plays where, you know, receivers has gone, have gone up and, and won the, uh, jump ball. So, um, you know, university, you know, I've told the kids all week, you know, you, you're facing a, a very tough triple A high school football team and, and we got to be disciplined and sharp in all three phases. We're speaking with Spring Mills head football coach Josh Sims. Now, of course, they're coming into the last game of the season here against University. Overall record of 4-5. and five. Went through a little bit of a tough stretch there in the middle of the season, but like you've mentioned, uh, this team showed a lot of resiliency, a lot of determination throughout uh, this 2022 season. So looking back, of course, the season's not over and hopefully not close to being over yet, uh, but what are some of your thoughts uh, looking back at this 2022 season? Uh, like I said, man, I, I, I doubt you go around the state and look at a lot of triple-A uh, teams or shoot even double A and single A, you know, that, um, you know, only had four contributing seniors, you know, on the field for the majority of the season. Um, so, you know, it's one of those things where we, you know, uh, in regards to my coaching career, that this, this is, uh, the, the youngest team across the board that, that I've ever coached. Um, and, you know, like you said, we, we've dealt with some, we, we've t- taken some gut shots, you know, you know, I, we think back to the Hedgesville game, we lost on the Hail Mary. You know, in the, in the last seconds, um, same with Frankfurt. You know, they scored the uh, go-ahead touchdown with uh, 16 seconds left. Um, you know, and those are games that are, you know, you, you're having sophomores and and in uh, you know multiple positions, you know, freshmen, you know, uh, uh, playing seniors for four quarters, you know, down to the wire. So, you know, it's one of the things you kind of look back on, and it makes you a little bit sick because it's like, man, we're about three plays away from you know completely going into this game six and three. And then going in this game six and three with a whole bunch of soft, uh, freshmen, sophomores, and juniors. Um, so it's it's one of those things where you know you can look back on it and, and kind of be like, man, you know, I wish we would have made those plays. But you know, we've done a very good job, and our kids have done a very good job at kind of looking at those moments and recognizing, you know, man, if I if we keep working hard and and, and we stick together and we keep our minds right, you know, we'll make those plays as juniors. You know, or, or or these juniors are saying we're going to make those plays as seniors, mm-hmm. and you know th- these kids have really bought into the development process and 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 you know r- realizing you know the the future is very bright. All we got to do is is keep working hard every day. You know, stick together, be good teammates, be coachable, and uh, you know a lot of times you know in the, in the modern world of high school you know sports that that that's the hardest thing to do. So you know we couldn't be more proud of the character. Um, that these kids have shown, and, and and I do think that's the you know the word for our kids is is they've really have developed and bought in and and, and established you know good character in our football team and and in our school 
Um, and, uh, you know, we're, we're just very pleased and excited for the future. More Panhandle Game of the Week this week, which, of course, you can hear right here on WPM and WCST, is University coming down the road to Spring Mills. And Spring Mills head football coach Josh Sims, thank you for joining us this morning on Panhandle Sports Live. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you. Absolutely. Let's stick around for more Panhandle Sports Live. We'll come back. We'll get uh, Parker's picks, and we'll uh, take a whip around professional sports because, well, unfortunately, the Phillies won last night, and they, uh, goodness, like you said earlier, Parker, it was like a home run derby last night in the World (laughs) Series. So stick around. We'll talk about that and wrap things up here on Panhandle Sports Live on WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. It's Panhandle Sports Live with Jordan, Luke, and Parker. Welcome back to Panhandle Sports Live, brought to you by Mountaineer Kitchens and Baths since 1995. Mountaineer Kitchens and Baths have uh, delivered a signature remodeling services to our home community of Martinsburg. So check them out at mountaineerkitchensandbath.com on Facebook or visit their showroom at 967 Hedgesville Road in Martinsburg. It's time for Parker's Picks. Yeah, well, that's called beginner's luck. Luck, 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 Yeah, I like to call this my lock of the day. Proving it's never fails. Never failed once. All right, another modest two for three yesterday, although the Houston Astros couldn't score a single run. Thankfully, Jeremy Pena got a hit, and I was I was sweating bullets last night because I really thought I was going to goose egg yesterday's picks and was going to have to come in and defend myself. But we're good. Lock of the day hit. Carl Anthony Towns ended up getting 24 points last night. He had like two points at the end of the first quarter, and again, I was sweating bullets thinking I was going to go goose egg for yesterday. But sadly... Kent State lost by a touchdown to Ball State. Both uh, both teams in action last night. The underdogs won both those games. Ohio beat Buffalo really good, I think. I think it was like 45-20 or something like that. Shout, mm-hmm. shout out to the Bobcats. Uh, this is a name pool. I don't, I don't know if you guys remember. You guys remember Tyler, Tyler Tellton? No. At all? Tyler Tellton was a quarterback for Ohio. I, bet, I don't know why that name popped in my head, but that's like the first thing I think of when I think of Ohio. But going into today's picks. Isn't it's that some, where Big Ben went? That's Miami of Ohio. Miami, 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 yeah. Miami of Ohio. This is that's the Red Hawks. This is the Bobcats. Okay. So for today's picks, it's going to be an all NBA affair today. And I was shocked when I saw this line this morning. Kyle Kuzma, fifteen and a half points. Take the over. Take the over on Kyle Kuzma at fifteen and a half. He's been scoring pretty good this season. He's really the number two option in that Wizards offense outside of Brad Beal. I like Kuzma at the fifteen and a half today. Lori Markinen as well. They're playing Dallas. That means they're going to have to score a lot of points. Keep up with Luke Kadonchich in that team. Markinen's been hitting 20 points in most of his games this season. I like him at the over 18 and a half, as well as John Collins. It's the uh, the battle of uh, the battle of the Garden tonight. You got the Hawks coming in, Trey Young coming in back to the Garden. I'm sure Jordan's going to be glued to that game tonight. Just yeah, to, the just, yeah, just yeah. to just to see the uh, obscenities thrown at Trey Young tonight. But John, You'll be Co- hearing him out of my apartment. <laughs> we won't we won't leak where Jordan lives. So you, if, you, if you just hear random screaming, you'll know where he is. But. Under 13 and a half points for John Collins tonight. He's not been scoring good at all this season. He's been a, he's been a good rebounder for that Atlanta Hawks team, but he has not really been scoring, especially since they ended Dejounte Murray from San Antonio. John Collins is going to go for the under in this one, but lock this in for today. Kyle Kuzma, 15 and a half points. Take the over in that one. That is a generous 15 and a half points, and they're playing the Sixers tonight at 6:10. 6:10 is when that lock of the day game will start up. So there you go. And that's what we got for Parker's Picks. And well, if you were watching baseball last night, you would have been uh, easily mistaken if you would have thought it was the Home Run Derby instead of the World Series game. McCullers kicks and comes home. And the pitch swung on. Hits him. Right field. And the Phillies are going to lead it. (laughs) Yeah, they are. Bryce Harper. 
has put the Phillies on top with a two-run home run over the out-of-town scoreboard. Pitch to Alec Bohm, blasted left field deep. Alvarez back, he turns, he looks, it's gone, it just clears. Lead-off homer here in the second for Alec Bohm on a low laser just over the left field wall. And the pitch. Swung on, hit in the air, oh. high and deep, right field. Tucker drifting back to the track at the wall. He jumps, and it's off the top of the wall. Is it a homer? They say yes. Brandon Marsh hits one out over the out-of-town scoreboard. I guess we're going to get a replay check. The ball came back down onto the playing field, but for the moment, it's 4-0 Phillies. Swung on, hit in the air, center field. Going back on his McCormick. Back toward the wall. It is good. the 2-2 pitch to Hoskins. Swung on, hit in the air, deep to left field. It is gone! Back-to-back home runs! Schwarber and Hoskins. Reese is pumping his fist going around second base. 7-0 Phillies! So as much as I can't stand the Phillies, I think I can't stand the Phillies color commentator just as much for some of the uh, antics he pulled there. But <laughs> Phillies, they win 7-0. Uh, four different, or a ton of home runs. What, five home runs, I think, in the yeah. game last night? Uh, Harper gets a big one. Of course, Schwarber gets a big one. All like the easily hateable guys get big-time home runs uh, for the Phillies. But the Phillies in the driver's seat, fellas. And uh, I think I can speak for a lot of people which, uh, in, in saying that this wasn't as it was not expected in this series. No, certainly not. You know, you want to talk about betting picks. I mean, the Astros were heavily favored coming into this series, and there were a lot of people, Metro News' Brad Howe especially, that said maybe jump on that Phillies money <laughs> line or, you know, whatever to win the series. Uh, and after yesterday, they proved that uh, I was concerned what their pitching was going to look like after they got through their two studs, uh, and they were able to win a game uh, yesterday and not give up a run, give up or hit five home runs, put up a seven spot, and now they're in the driver's seat of this World Series. And really quickly, programmer's note, uh, because uh, we want WBPM to be the the home for the 2022 World Series. We will not be able to run tonight's game, of course, because of high school sports line, uh, but we'll be back in action tomorrow uh, with Game 5, which uh, you never know what could be at stake in that game. If the Phils win again tonight, you might get yourself win. a clincher. You never crazy. know. And then we should have uh, the rest of the games 5, 6, and 7 without an issue right here on the Panhandle News Network, but not tonight uh, because of high school sports line. And I hope they don't, Parker, because I'm so tired of people winning championships on road games. I'm so tired of that. I need somebody. I feel like the last, what, every championship in all major North American sports have all been clinched on the road, and that just makes it so lame. It is in Philadelphia, right? Game four, in, yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, oh. game four would be in Philly. And then oh, five would be as well. And then five will be... It, Five's in Houston. So you five want, would be in Houston. Oh, it is? Okay. They, five would be in Houston. If there's a game six, it would go to Philly I game seven. I forgot Major League Houston. Baseball went to the 2-2-1-1-1. Two, two, oh, one, no, one. you're right. You're right. Game two, four's three, in two. Philly. Game five's in Philly. Games, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, but, so I mean, six, the likelihood yeah, of the yeah. Phillies winning back-to-back games, you're right. right. In which case, if they won it, they'd win it in game six in Houston, yeah. which would, would stink. Or Sunday, because of that rain out, uh, MLB has got to be sweating bullets now because oh. now they've got to go up against the NFL. Yeah, that's why they tried so hard to get Game oh, I didn't Three. Even think of that. That's yeah. they canceled the game like an hour before right. first pitch, which absolutely screwed me here trying to run the game. <laughs> didn't even <laughs> think like, of that. I wasn't sure what to do, and I, you know, everyone's like, "Why are they waiting so long to bang the game?" But you can't have a World Series mm-hmm. doubleheader. You still have to have a travel day, and they didn't want to go up against Did the. Can you NFL. imagine a World Series doubleheader? <laughs> oh my <laughs> that god, that would be great. Talk about. Oh, that we talk about pressure. Yeah, I know that's that's crazy. Well, I, I don't feel too bad for the MLB going against the NFL this Thursday because it's a 
it's it's another Philly team as the Eagles, but they're playing the Texans, so that's going to be a yeah. wash of a game. Well, that's what so. people were saying is like you could fly out if if Philly loses one of these games, you could fly out, catch the Eagles game, and then you're in the area for. Uh, for the the World Series game as well, you know all those Philly fans that are there just you loaded financially. You know? Could you imagine if it was a Sunday where it was Phillies at home and Eagles at home? Phillies World Series oh and goodness, the Eagles be being the, the city of Philadelphia will football. burn. The city of Philadelphia <laughs> will burn. They've had the polls grease downtown for like a week and a half. Yeah, and you know what else I heard last night? It derailed the final segment. Just talking about uh, they've showed Santa on the scoreboard yesterday in Philadelphia. Obviously, our, our listeners may know that the Eagles or Philadelphia fans have a, a difficult history mm-hmm. with the man in red. They oh, threw snowballs right. at him. Apparently, it was raucous applause for Santa oh, when good. they showed him on the video for yesterday <laughs> okay. in the Phillies game. Now, if they had been losing at the time, I don't know. They might have booed Santa. Yeah. Now, to use a, a Luke Wicks term, Parker, do you think that the how insufferable will uh, <laughs> Phillies fans be if and when they win this World Series? Oh, it'll be awful. It'll be absolutely <laughs> awful. Philly fans, you are if you're a Philly fan, you are one you are one of a million. Uh, that's the that's the best way I could probably sum that up. They're interesting characters. So, and they just it, what, what stinks about all of it. And I, I sound like a sore loser, and I guess I am. But like Philadelphia does not deserve this. Oh, they, not, they snuck into the, the playoffs. They're the third best team in their own division. They're like the tenth best team in the National League, and they got hot at the right time. But you know, I mean, my Cardinals have a World Series like that. You can make the same argument. No offense, Jordan, about the Nationals. That's, the Nationals they, shouldn't yeah. get anywhere near yeah, the playoffs. They, they just, that that's just the Braves last year got hot at the right time. Yeah. Yeah. But even still, that much more talented in yeah. my opinion. But that's that's just what's crazy about this Phillies team is they just got hot the last two weeks of the regular season and into the playoffs and here they are Mm-mm-mm. so real quick before we have to wrap things up guys the uh college football playoff poll the first poll came out last night top four tennessee one ohio state two georgia three clemson four do you think they got it right first two out of michigan and alabama yeah i think yeah. they did uh, tcu at seven bodes well i think for the big 12 mm-hmm. if they're able to go undefeated that means that they will be in the playoff if they had been lower they would have been screwed but if i'm correct Tennessee, number one in this poll. Georgia's number one in the AP poll, right? Yes. So that's one against one when they play each other on Saturday. And that's going to be a fun game. That's going to be – suddenly this turns from a must-win for Tennessee to a must-win for Georgia in the college football playoff poll because if Georgia drops that one, there's and, – and then there's been some conspiracy theories as the LSU being ranked 10th to set up Alabama to sneak their way back into the playoff. Oh, 100%. 100%. So it's – it's an interesting case. We'll have to see how the rest of the season plays out. But I do think Tennessee being ranked number one is the right call. And and you guys were telling me people are comparing Tennessee to 2019 LSU. How how dare those people compare quick, that? That's to, a little too quick for me. It's like we they're got, good, we got the but rest of the, like yeah. they're saying, yeah. well, they average the same amount of points per game, yards per game. Okay, but that includes the college football right. playoff. Yes. you know that doesn't include. You know, Bowling Green and the other they, six and they beat a bad, a bad Alabama time. team. All things considered. Yeah. yeah. So I think I mean they're good, but I don't know if I think that's a little too quick of a jump. I'll say opinion. this: it, talk to me when you have a the the best statistical season of quarterback in college football history, and arguably two of the top five wide receivers in the NFL right now on the same roster, and the same season, and Clyde Edwards, and Derek Stingley. And yeah. the roster was so deep. And Leonard Fournette, not Leonard Fournette. Leonard, Leonard Fournette was on his that long team. lost cousin. <laughs> You're such an LSU stand. I, I will wrap that 2019 and Clavion Chase. Both of and you such are. a deep team. Both of you are. I will wrap that Christian This is disgusting. It's deep. That, that, it's hard to find a team that will be better than that in the next decade, I think. Well, that does it for us today on Panhandle Sports Live. If you missed any of the show, you can listen back to it a little bit later on on Panhandle News Network Facebook and Spotify page. For Parker and Luke, I'm Jordan. Panhandle Live is next. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one.
WEPM Martinsburg and WCST Berkeley Springs, a WVRC media station. We're proud to live here too.